This is a moment in wine and hip hop, brought to you by Crew Love, blending wine and hip hop at the highest level. Wine and hip hop, wine and music. Tell me up, know what it is. Check this out. Oh yeah, you be the life of the party. Wine and hip hop really mirrors the the conversations that we have in my office about wine and music. Yeah, yeah, what's good, y'all? It's your man, Jermaine Showtime Stone, a.k.a. The Wolf of Wine, a.k.a. The Zara Vibes, a.k.a. Young Thanos. I'm just out here collecting Infinity Stones. We back with another episode of Wine and Hip Hop. We got the big homie. We got Travis Organic Fleetwood. Travis, how you doing, bro? Good, man. How you doing, brother? Yo, man, listen. It's an honor, man. We got a king in the battle legend. We're in the <laughs> battle realm right here. You know what I'm saying? Founder of King of the Dot Battle League, bro. Like, and, you know, the whole, the whole, everything around Battle Leagues, like, I love it. You know what I'm saying? Everybody that knows my story knows I came up uh, rapping. I came up battling before I got into the wine industry. So just seeing battle culture come to what it's grown to is just, it's insane, man. You remember how this shit was like, oh, yeah. In 02, 04, like the early, early days and shit you know 30 people so, in a pub maybe one person with a video camera that you <laughs> the footage of the audio or something and you know people, other people posting and promoting your name and everything like you know it was different back then just hoping that you know your battle audio or something would turn up on napster limewire you know any of those joints and yeah, yeah sometimes man definitely man so what was some of the big um inspirations for you uh getting started like what what are some of those early battle leagues that you saw that that inspired you um i mean the the only thing league i really seen you know was the blaze battles you know um i was always young into hip-hop right like i was one of those kids i used to loop the end of my 36 chambers tape and you know the cassette right we found out there's a little bit of an instrumental loop it and yeah. try to add my own verse onto it as a young kid so i was always into that once i found like juice and supernatural um you know the the ph and you know tone defs and you know uh, metaphors and all like that that old new york battle scene that like never you know got the the spotlight it deserved i was hooked when i was young so i used to just sit there downloading the audios and i just felt like that was such a skill that was so entertaining and you know being overlooked and such like an important piece of, of the hip-hop culture you know so um I was always gravitated towards it. I feel like it was something that I was always passionate about, always had a passion for. And that that's really it. You know, um, I, I used to be young. You know, I remember uh, the Blaze Battles happening on HBO. That was the first pay-per-view yeah. to have, you know. So, <laughs> you know, even before, because the second year had Idea, Shells, but, and you know, shout out to Moon, because Moon's still battling and he was right. rocking back Blaze Battles. But, you know, um, that was like my first real introduction to like video battle rap, you know, um, right. before then it was very difficult to obtain video for battle rap, right? Like Napster, you couldn't get videos on. And if you did, it took you three and a half weeks to download it. So, you know, you just yeah. did. It. Um, and then mcbattles.com, which was a website that uh, Poison Pen used to operate. And uh, they used to upload battles, you know, back. And I think it was probably like, you couldn't even watch him. It was just so pixelated, but it gave you the scope. And and that's what really got me into it, man. I felt, you know, but mainly juice and supernatural. I feel like that was the, the battle that just made me realize that this is, this is it, man. You know, yeah. this is a set that needs to be pushed to the masses. You know, I come, I come from the era of dudes like party. Yachty, okay. You know, back, <laughs> back in the days, man. So, you know, it's wine and hip hop. So I got to ask, man, are you much of a wine drinker? Now, I'm not much of a drinker really myself, you know, um, but I do have the occasional, you know, wine here and there. 
Yo, you know what? I I think um so one of my goals is to integrate wine with hip hop as much as possible. Mm-hmm. I can totally see some dudes drinking um some like some Taylor some some port some port wines. Um, mm-hmm. Port is a fortified wine, so you know a lot of dudes in the hood drink it. They call it grape henny. <laughs> you know, <laughs> but um, it's it's a fortified wine, man. All fortified wine is, is it it's wine with alcohol and with um, a higher alcohol um, volume. And okay. um, so, yeah, man, port wines would definitely go well with some battles. When I pull up to the battle, I'm definitely bringing some wine through. So, you know, at the end of the day, we're going to bring wine and hip hop together one way or the other. Um, but I, I wanted to chop it up with you about um, lyrics, really, like because. I associate complex lyrics with complex wines. Like one of the tasting notes in wine is like saying like, oh, this is a complex wine. There's complexity here. So Mm -hmm. all that means is that when you taste it, the flavor changes from the time it enters your mouth all the way to the time you swallow it. Mm -hmm. You know, um, the flavor is continuously changing. And what I associate that with in rap is um, complex rhymes. You know, I, I look at that as like a double entendre. Okay. You know, when you think about a double entendre in rap, it's for, for all of my rap nerds out there. Um, it's when one rap lyric means more than one thing. You know, when wine and hip hop are very famous double entendre is when Jay-Z said, I sip fine wines and spit vintage flows. I got extensive clothes with expensive clothes and I sip fine wines and spit vintage flows, but y'all know. You know what I'm saying? Because when you and I hear that, like, oh, he talking about sipping fine wines and spin like there's like older wines and stuff like that. So he's spitting vintage flows. But in all actuality, at wine tastings, when you sip, you're supposed to spit. You know what I'm saying? So Jay-Z was really talking about like real deal wine tastings back in 96, you know. So I always associate complex um, wines with complex rhymes. So having you on, I thought that would be a cool discussion Definitely. Just to talk about like the different elements in rap, right? Like to me in rap, when I break, when you breaking down a, a bottle of wine or, um, or tasting wine, you think about the, um, the appearance, the smell and the palate, the taste. Mm-hmm. But when I'm listening to rap, I'm thinking about the flow, the wordplay and the content, you know what I'm saying? So like when you're, when, when people are battling, like what's the criteria that you guys look at when um, when you're watching these battles? I wouldn't say there's any real, like, you know, formulaic criteria, but, you know, I think it's like, you know, probably similar to wine, just when someone has all the pieces together and can, you know, you know, again, you know, you just said it, you know, the flows, the delivery, the passion, the performance, the aggression, you know, the punchlines, there's like a lot of, you know, things in battle rap that can make people unique the jokes you know i think every battle rapper is unique and out of these like seven things maybe someone will be really good at three of them and there'll be right. another one be really good at a separate three so i think that's really what makes a good battle rapper is the uniqueness and how you can use these things to your advantage and how you can stand out because you know in a world where again similar to wine right there's probably so many being able to be a standout is an impressive thing and taking a formula that everyone else is using and making it so people realize like that's your own you know um um, it's very important. So um, I really, you know, it comes down to like, like I think you really nailed the fundamentals, you know, um, the flow, you know, delivery, passion, aggression, all, all stuff like that. Yeah. Yeah, man. Like, you know, I, I think see battle battle rapping is tough because it's also you have to be a showman. You know, mm-hmm. you got to get the crowd like if you don't get the crowd, you're over, man. Yeah. Like I've seen people lose confidence, like have better raps and lose confidence in themselves because they don't get the crowd. Like 
what what tips do you have for people like that uh, in their approach? Yeah, I mean, performance is everything, right? Like selling yourself to the crowd is half the battle. Now, you as a battle fan, you know, when you watch something on footage, it's not as important as it is in person. In person, having that confidence in everything, it, it it's a lot. It's your vocal projection. It's how it's your it's your demeanor. It's your mannerisms, right? Like when you look at someone, it's no different than when we're watching boxing and you can see someone lose that confidence and they're a little more passive than they used to be. And you can see it. it's like he didn't have to grab a mic and be like, I'm unconfident. You can see it in their body language and the mannerisms. And I feel like that is very similar in battle rap. You can see someone go up there and they're all confident. And then all of a sudden their opponent has a really good first round. And then they go to rap and maybe their vocal projection isn't the way that they want it to be. They're not like, it's not, you know, piercing the way they want it to and their confidence can just drop or they have a really big line that they're expecting and this happens in battle rap all the time yeah. you, know, you think the whole you think you think you got a haymaker and then you say it and it's crickets just because a there's so many variables you may have had a wrong breath pattern that may have ha had you out of breath when you came to that part that you couldn't say it with the conviction that you wrote it with you know so and that can knock away at your confidence because you know right there you messed up the way this was supposed to be is not the way you did it. So already you're like pissed at yourself in your head. I'm not saying it, but I'm like, man, when that round ends, it's like a smile, but it's like a fuck. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like you knew what you could have done better. And I feel like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Nah, that, that that's everything, man. I, I've seen them come and I've seen them go <laughs> <laughs> like that. Like I remember when, um, who did Joe Budden battle again? Joe Budden battled. Um, oh, you're gone. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And he got roasted. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, because it's, it's not a world like you know all respects to joe and i think what he did was super admirable you know because a lot of people in his position wouldn't take that risk especially exactly. against something as dangerous as hollow you know yeah. um but i think when he got up there you realize it's a different game you know what i yeah. mean it's not like you're performing songs that everybody's vibing with they're waiting to hear this so the second that beat drops they're already going crazy it's like no that beat drop got to be like an impressive bar from you you know yeah. what I mean? You yeah. got to build that up yourself. Now, there's no beat to support you. You got to build that crowd anticipation reaction and have them just sitting there at your fingertips waiting for you to say something fire so they can explode, you know? So it's a learning curve for a lot of people, you know? Um, and I've always said that, man, it's very difficult to come from one world and go to the other because it's just the, the differences are vast, right? It's like um, people thinking skateboarding and snowboarding are, are similar, right? And it's like, you know, two different two different lanes. Yeah, yeah. You're, both, you're both on a board that's shaped the same, but it, it's a whole different scope, so. Absolutely. No, it's true, man. Yo, you, I know you got to see some crazy stuff, dude. Like, <laughs> I'm, there's always the, you know, styling on you, wilding on you when homeboy yeah. got knocked out. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, those are the things we like to keep out of battle rap, though, bro. Like, as good moments as those are for, you know, footage and people that aren't in the battle rap world to share and stuff, I feel like that stuff really hinders the culture because, like, this is a world where we are, as men and females, understand that we're going up there to, to best each other. And it's really, like, out of respect, you know, like we can say very, you know, mean things to each other, but at the end we dap it up because we know like, yeah, you said that, but it, like, it, it's, it's out of respect for each other. Like I had to say that to you because of how dangerous you, what you were going to say to me, you know? Right, so, right. um, and, and it also is very important that it teaches you like words only hold as much weight as you allow them to. We can go up there and say all these mean things to them, but because we don't take it personal, it's not affecting us. And I always say that's a, it's a great lesson for a lot of people. You know, if you're not a fan of bad rap, that's what it can teach you is that, you know, you yourself can be offended and not have it affect your day you know like yeah. you just learn to yeah. and move on and, and sometimes you got to accept those truths and that's how you become a better person definitely no that that's real man and that like there's so much of a street element that comes into rap how 
how do you weed that element out? Just even getting with artists that have that that mentality of maturity. I don't think we really weed it out. You know, I think that's what makes people, you know, um, impressionable. Everybody's different. So, you know, mm. if you're a street person, we're just going to make it work to the best to your degree. You know what I mean? I don't want you to change as a human other than maybe like, you know, if you're coming in and you don't know it, we want to teach people like the small things, you know, like on how to conduct themselves in business and stuff. But if you as an individual and you've gotten to this point to we're paying attention to you, like, I feel like I would be wrong to tell you to change your character or anything about that, because that's you as an individual that's even got my attention. So I think like, you know, people that are real street or people that are, you know, even real preppy, like that's what makes the battle rap culture is so unique is that we can all kind of come from different places, but we all have the same passion. We all have something common and interest. And, you know, we try to best each other in this arena. It's bringing all worlds together, really. So I don't think it's really, you know, um, you know, people that are too street or anything, it's just making the respect value there, making sure everybody respects the bigger picture of what's going on. You know, let's leave the other stuff outside. You know, this is, this is an arena of respect and, and, and it's a job, right? So come here, do work. You want to be someone outside of this, that's on you. Right. But once you're in here, you know, there's, there's just a line of conduct that we operate in and, you know, um, it's respectable. It doesn't need to be said at the beginning of every event. It's not like a boxing match where we got to remind <laughs> everything like, yo, do not punch each other. It's against the rules. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know this, right? Because if you do that, you almost get ostracized out of the scene. Yeah. People don't want to be around people with that energy. People don't want to be like this is stuff. It almost we, introduces that energy because we've all I like we've all grown out of it. This is why we're doing this: is to keep us out of that energy, the stuff that like you know we're occupying our time with that energy. Like this is the the stuff that you know those people that are filled with that energy get to wake up and have something to look forward to that doesn't involve that energy. You know what right. I mean? And that's important for people to have that escape, especially people from the streets and stuff like that, to be able to see that light at the end of the tunnel and knowing that this is a, a safe avenue for them to go and, and you know, expand on their brand. Mm. And so and you guys have really like with um with King of the Dot, you've really established a place for yourself. You know, like we were saying earlier, you know, you had big people pulling up. Yeah. Drake pulling up, man, like. Mm to grab that sort of attention. Um, what, what was that like for you to understand? Like, wow, we really taking this thing to a different level. Yeah, that's crazy. You know, I'm not going to lie when that happened. That was crazy. You know, I was <laughs> in my third year, but you know, Drake is always supportive, right? Like he's from Toronto. He supports a lot of stuff in Toronto. So that was really like a stamp of approval for the city. If anything, you know what I mean? It was like, yo, we're all here together. We're, you know what I mean? Like we're supporting each other because, you know, Drake showing that light to a lot of the up and coming rappers, like that's so powerful for people that don't, that didn't believe in the system, didn't believe in, in battle rap and stuff like that. Like someone coming and putting their co-sign and being like, Hey, if they're not paying attention, I'm paying attention. It, yeah. it, it Everybody's confidence skyrise, you know? And, and I think, um, you know, especially for us as a brand, like this is showing that, Hey, you know, we, we got something like we knew we had something before that, but that stamp of approval from like, you know, the Drake's, the Kevin Durant's, the method man's, the, these people I grew up like, you know, watching and, and, and everything like that. It, it, it's tough to explain, you know what I mean? Of course you want to celebrate, but you know, the, the goal is to keep on moving and then make this expand and grow. But yeah, I think um, stuff like that is just unreal, bro. You know, I don't think I ever could have imagined anything like that. I still, to this day, you know, even as deep as I am in this game, when you look back at that, it's like, I remember how excited I was, you know, and I remember how excited I still am when stuff like that happens because the excitement not only comes from me, like someone can co-sign it and maybe, you know, let's just, for example, let's just say maybe I'm not, you know, super aware of even what this person is. There may be a battle rapper that this person's like their favorite, you know, and boom, now you got their peak interest in this because they showed a little bit of gratitude and love to it. So 
it, it's amazing when people like that, you know, reach out because it's such a niche culture. It's a culture that's really been like, you know, overseen in, in a, in a, you know, a lot of ways commercially, um, you know, and I think, you know, these people add a little bit of validity to the scene and they, they, yeah. you know, add, legitimize it really, you know, it and it takes they it back it. to the essence, man. Yeah. It's the essence. Like that is, the like the essence of emceeing battling like that that's so it's just as important as the dj to to the game man it, it's so important like DJ. now and how did you really get started in this because there's a few there's so many different ways to be successful in hip-hop mm-hmm. and you know you can come out you can have a multi-platinum album but now you know the battle league offers a whole different layer in the game, you know? So how did you get started in this? Like, were you intending to, to be a battle artist or did you come up like, yo, look, I'm trying to drop, I'm trying to sell 30 million records, <laughs> you know, like what was your mentality entering the game? I was 100% a battle rap artist, man. As much as I love freestyling stuff, the, com- the competition and, and stuff like that, I've always, it was really what got me like, I love music, bro. Like, you know, um, my old computers, everything I had, the amount of hours of my life I spent on Napster's downloading songs and stuff like is yeah. crazy. Right? So I've always been a hip hop head, but you know, um, battle rapping to me, I just felt like was my, my, you know, my home, bro. Like it was something I enjoyed doing so much. It was something like when I'm with my friends, it's like, yeah, we can all freestyle and everybody is proper. Like you ever smoke somebody in front of your friends? Yeah. Like that, you know, <laughs> you're, the, you're the man, bro. When especially, you hear that, Ooh, yeah, you know, especially when you're in high school and stuff like that, you know, you're going to different cities and parties and there's people there rapping and you're like, Oh, watch this. You know what I mean? You're going to go in there and turn it into a battle. And all of a sudden, like all their friends are now your fans and stuff like that. Like that to me was like the culture, you know, it was very competitive. And I felt like that's almost like what it was back in the day. It was a race to see who was going to make it right. Like, especially from Toronto, because before Drake, no one had really made it. So it was like, how do you, how do you get known? It's either you apply for like grants and get video facts and hopefully a label sees promise in you and is trying to pump money behind you, or you go out there and you earn it by be proving that you're better than other people. Look, there's 32 of us going home in this competition. That's great. 31 of y'all going home losing, thinking about me. <laughs> I mean, like That would be my mentality when I was young because like you have to believe that you're going to be better than them all. And I think that's, that's you know, what made it super interesting for me is you never, especially for battle rap, I feel like now it's very different. You know, when I used to battle, I used to travel like six hours and you don't even know what beat the DJ is going to play, bro. Like, you know, I said this in an interview recently. I remember going, you know, far for a battle and that first round the guy plays like bone crush and it's like bro <laughs> i'm supposed to like battle rap over this you know what i mean I'm out, I'm out first round you know whatever but you know that was the the uniqueness of the battle rap culture it was honestly like um you know a surprise bag you never knew what you were going to get you never knew what the event was going to be like some of the best promoted battle rap events i would go to and there'd be 15 people there in a small pub and you'd be like yeah. man all month i built up in my head this was going to be like this big show and now i'm here and it's like this <laughs> But that's also what drove me to, you know, start a league because I felt like there was a lot of gaps in the scene. Um, being a rapper myself, I knew what it was like. Like I'd been, I'd been screwed by a couple of promoters, won a bunch of competitions, didn't get prizes at your, you know, get half prizes. Oh, we didn't make as much as the door. Don't worry, we're gonna hit you with this later. Even you know, I won BET Springling in Canada back in 2006 and 2008. It was supposed to be on Freestyle Friday, all that. Like none of those things came to fruition. So I started realizing that, like if. It's, it's really like battle rap. You know, you can't, even when you're win, you can't rely on other people to set your course for you because they're unreliable. So it was really like, you know, 
I had built like a little bit of a name through battling and everything. And a lot of people from Canada would always message me like, yo, how did you do this? How did you get involved in this competition? So I started realizing that there was like actually more than me up here wanting to do this stuff. And that's really, you know, um, where King of the Dot came. It was never meant to be a big battle rap league, bro. Like the name King of the Dot even came from like, us trying to just have a one competition a year in Toronto that everybody would want to win. Because when I would look at my resume, it'd be like licensed the ill champion and all these names that are just weird. It's like, none of these are like prideful, you know, who's yeah. the king of Toronto, who's the king of Canada? Like that's what we need to have. So we actually tried to get like, um, you know, make it an on beat on stage event, but we were young. We couldn't get venues. You know, they wanted deposits. They wanted yeah. all this stuff. So we were like, man, we're just going to make this happen in a park, you know, this way. And it really just, the snowball effect went, you know, and the actual league name was put your money where your mouth is, right? Like that was the whole concept. <laughs> I'm bringing 200 bucks, you're bringing 200 bucks and the winner's going to walk away with the win- the loser's money. So that was the whole concept. But over the years, as it grew, I think King of the Dot just became so much easier to say than put your money where your mouth is. The acronym KOTD, um, you know, is much more, you know, standout-ish. And, you know, that's really how it formed. But it, it's really funny, man. There was never like some big plan to just build a battle rap league and have it what it is today. It was never that. This is literally a passion that grew from a small thing in a park that literally just every time we did it got that much bigger and now it's at this point where we're here and it's it's surreal that's dope man Uh, like when you really think about it man yo hip-hop started in the park you know park jams was so important and is that some of the thought process behind like doing the first one in a park no, we couldn't even get a venue. <laughs> <laughs> like, yo, we just gonna do this shit outside. You watch the history of King of the Dot. I think volume four, or, yeah, volume four, we filmed, I think it was like December 12th or something like that in the middle of the winter in Canada, bro. It was like negative 30 outside. And we still <laughs> had like 45 people show up to this event. We're like, man, like, if it's like this, I like, go in between battles, everyone's running to their car, doing the whole, like getting warm <laughs> and coming back out. And like, that's when you start realizing like, man, this is the people want to see this shit. Cause yeah. I would want to you know, do this for something I don't want to see. So we got our first venue in uh, January of 2009, you know, and it was only through a friend of a friend whose dad owned a venue. You know what I mean? Because we couldn't get any Toronto back then. Nobody wanted nothing to do with rap battles. It was associated with violence, shootings. They wanted deposits again. You know, when you're young, who has five grand for a deposit on a yeah. venue? I mean, how am I even going to make that five grand back? So, yeah. um, you know, all that. But, you know, we got this first venue and it sold out before. We, we didn't sell tickets ahead of time. I remember pulling up to that venue the day of the event and there was a lineup all down the block and around the corner. And I remember being like, man, we can only fit 250 people inside. Like, this is crazy. Like, what are we going to do? But that was really, you know, the, the eye opening moment. Like, yo, we got something, you know, like mm-hmm. when we're throwing our first event indoors and, you know, we didn't sell a ticket, but we're sold out. That's uh, that was the, you know, that was the moment we knew. Yeah. Now, nah, you know what? I'm remembering the fight club. That was the name of that joint. Uh, there was, oh, there was, fire. There, yeah, yeah, that was, man international peak yeah <laughs> yo that that shit i mean no those battle days bro that was the days when i was really into it i actually um i actually made an appearance on 106 in park once i got screwed oh yeah uh, <laughs> yeah yo i feel like um 106 in park you know uh pushed a lot of careers that I don't think they meant to, you know, pushed a lot of people <laughs> in the direction because of all like the stuff like, yo, even Bishop, right? Like Bishop has one of the coolest 106 and Park stories ever because he was just in Harlem with Swave and they were going there and he's like, man, how do I get on here? I'm only in America for a week, you know? And then he actually found the guy who was battling and told the guy like, yo, you're supposed to be next week. I'm this week. And the guy <laughs> left 
And then Bishop, when they couldn't find him no more, he's like, I'm from Canada. Like, I'll jump in his spot. And he went on there, smoked the person, came back the next week. And uh, he said, shh. And they thought he said shit. And they disqualified him. So, Get you know, but those are some of the things that continued, like, you know, to push people. And a lot of, like, the seven-week champions, you know, um, you know, the Jins, the Shahid, the Poster Boys, it's like their, their careers – in battle rap, at least, never went much further than that. You know what I mean? Um, Jin obviously had some legendary moments in battle rap. He's a battle rap legend, right? But I always thought, like, man, Shahid, the poster boy, like, once he's done with this 106 and Park Run, like, he's going to go destroy Scribble Jam. He's going to go take over all this shit. And then it just never happened. It never came to fruition. And a lot of the people that you see doing stuff these days, you know, it's like, oh, you know, I, I was on 106 and Park once, and it's like, damn, really? Yeah. So, like, I <laughs> a lot bro it's like a lot of people so you know um either a1 they had a really good talent development team and they were able to scope talent at a very young age and stuff like that or you know um they let a lot of talent go one of the two <laughs> my qu- so this, this is interesting because why do you think that is that those artists um that that are successful on 106 and park don't really transition to successful careers in the battle leagues battle rap leagues are different bro you know it's um, a whole different even, animal yeah even when like the real battle rap scene we always not not to dog it because honestly any of us would have jumped on there if we were given the opportunity but we used to always hate on 106 and park we used to be like yeah. oh this big shit they're going up there fucking you know what i mean with these corny shit like but reality was if any of us were given that opportunity we would have jumped on it and when we were it was exciting because the whole battle rap scene would get behind it like this is a real battle rapper going up there you know what yeah. i mean like yeah. man we get our culture represented when they're bringing on all these mixtape kids kids that aren't even like battled before and they're just spitting a written verse and yeah. you as a battle rapper that's like traveling going in the cycles of all like the battle leagues across the world not battle leagues but like the battle competitions back then you know like actually putting the work in on the ground floor and it's like why aren't they calling me why aren't they calling him like why isn't ill Maculate being called 2004 scribble jam champion why isn't swan being called you know what i mean like those were things i think that were you know kind of made it that way you know we all knew people that would have been better on 106 and park than i feel like a lot of the people that they were picking so it was always like this separation in in the two it was like the, it was almost like the industry version of battle rap and then the culture yeah. version of battle rap right so um if any of them jumped into the battle rap scene after the 106 and park they honestly would have been a target right like everybody would have <laughs> you, you gotta can't survive in the wild <laughs> we're gonna show y'all man like that would have been the goal back then right so everybody was super hungry but you know um it, it, it was super interesting seeing how it all played out, man. And, you know, uh, I think looking back, it's like, what a, what a moment that was in time for, you know, 106 and Park and Freestyle Fridays. Like, that was unreal to have as rappers, man. Like, where everybody, everybody I knew, like, Friday, 4 p.m., home. Like, where were they? Like, yeah. All the way to 6, man. 106 and Park's going on. Yeah. Like, it doesn't matter. And even, like, my friends, you know, growing up, like, everybody paid attention to that stuff. So, I mean, looking back, it's like that was such a pivotal thing for battle rap. You know, it's at least putting it in the, the eyes of people. And even if they didn't follow the actual scene, it allowed them to at least know that scene exists. So when people right. hear battle rap now, they're not like culture shocked by it because 106 and Park, like, oh, that was stuff like a 106 and Park. And then you'd be able to explain to them the, the differences in the culture from back then to what it is now. It's like now there's no beats, you know, um, yeah. it's, it's written, um, you know, a lot of different things. Yeah, no, nah, I was actually going to ask uh, if you prefer beats or no beats on um in battles. I mean, personally for myself rapping, I prefer beats. You know, I grew up on that, right? But yeah. I definitely um see why it went to a cappella. You know, there's only you there's only so much you can do when you're given a time limit with the beat. You can't get super personal. You can't have like super super intricate rhyme schemes that like, you know, have like real like 
personal jabbing material because you kind of got to keep with the flow and the rhythm of the beat where battle rap, you know, acapella allows you to kind of create that metronome yourself and create this, you know, rhythm and everything you have. And then you see the people like Benders where it's like, you know, he just, you hear his music and it's like, wow, his music writing is incredible. And then you hear him battle rap and it's like, holy bro, like yeah. he just that to a whole new level. So, you know, um, yeah, man, it's, it's super interesting. How long do you think it is before a battle rapper has a number one record out? Oh, uh, it's <laughs> happened. You know, uh, 360 back in the day, uh, Australia. Um, yeah, I know it wasn't in North America, but the song was. No. He, he had some he had some massive songs, man. So he was on the front of like Rolling Stone, all that. And this was after his battle. Like he, this was in like almost in the middle of his battle rap tenure. You know, obviously with the stardom, he fell back on battle rap after that. You know, um, given that, you know, you just become such an easy target for all these up and comers. Yeah. But um, yeah, 360 was definitely um, the person that pushed battle rap musically, I feel like, as far as, you know, um, having a number one record but i don't know man there's there's some good talent in battle rap i think like it, it's really what they put their time and focus into if they're putting their time and focus right now in a battle rap i don't think that they're gonna have the number one hit record me and you and everyone knows man that takes months decades potentially in a studio recording until you hit it you know what i mean so i don't want to be like all oh, their battle rappers they can hit a number one song the second they want to that takes a lot of time but um, it'll be interesting, you know, um, someone like Eddie, I bro, like that kid's mm -hmm. music is incredible. And I feel like his talent, you know, um, musically, I feel like he, his, his, his ceiling is super high, super, mm -hmm. super high. I don't know if you've heard Eddie I's music, but yeah, you got to listen to that. That song Gemini is a hit, bro. We, so on the episode, we actually, we weave music in with the conversation. Mm -hmm. So we definitely got those, some of his joints in right now. Awesome. Definitely. Definitely. So let me see, man. So celeb dream battles, bro. Like, mm -hmm. Not everyone's built for this. Like right now, I know Conway and, and um, Jim Jones, they're talking, they're not going to like battle, but they're talking like a studio battle, like studio riddance. Um, But who would you think would make a good battle? Drake. Yeah, he's attention to the culture a lot and he's witty and he's smart and he's one of those people that, you know, he, um, he understands punchlines and he understands how to like the formula of being a battle rapper. And I feel like when Meek Mill jumped out the window, you gave Drake the alley-oop because yeah. he's paying attention to this. Like Meek is a real battle rapper, right? But Drake is like studied the new era of the game. He's yeah. able to like where Meek was more about like rapping, consistency, flow, delivery. And by the end of it, you're like, okay, that was crazy. Where Drake had the style where it's like punch, punch, punch. You know what I mean? And everyone's yeah. like, oh. So he, I feel like he has the formula down, even in his diss tracks. It's like, you know, um, moving into a stage, I feel like, yeah, bro, he, he would be dangerous, man. His confidence is there. He's, his performance level would be there. And I feel like he pays attention enough to know that he's a perfectionist and uh, he would definitely take advantage of the opportunity. Um, obviously Eminem, you know, um, would, would have been a great one. You know, yeah. I, I did this back in the day. I played Mythbuster. I got cannabis to battle. You know what I mean? Because me growing up, that's what it was everywhere you went. And, you know, especially being a white kid, right? Like everyone was just like, oh, but Eminem or cannabis. And, you know, for me, it was like, I've never actually seen them battle though. You know, you hear about it, you yeah. hear Cassidy battled cannabis, you hear, you know, and eventually as we got older, we got to see the Eminem and Juice battles and stuff like that. Right. But like, you know, um, I wanted to see cannabis battle. Right. And, and I think the whole battle rap world did. So, you know, we, we got together and we made that happen. Those look like Tom Cruise mom shoes. <laughs> Soak this nasty ass wonton soup. You got to lose. What you got to prove? Yeah? Who you gonna wrap circles around? 
turn around cause you ain't allowed to worship the crown You look like a dead bird on the ground with your bones exposed This is your funeral services now, this is your death diz Pour it out, pass it around, I laugh at your style The wise owl laughs at the crowd, pound for pound I clip your wings, lift your ass off the ground Throw you in the air, crash you in the clouds yeah, I, I just gotta like clap for you real quick because Everybody listening to the show know Canvas is the reason that I rapped for such a long yeah. time, man. That dude, he doesn't get his flowers enough. No, he doesn't, bro. Cannabis is, and you know, bro, I've always felt bad for the way he got perceived after that battle because, like, me knowing mentally where his head was at, like, when he pulled out that notepad, it wasn't like, hey, I'm cheating in the battle trying to win. He's like, you win. I choked, but I want y'all to hear at least what I wrote so you yeah. get paid for it. You know, he thought he was doing, like, an honorable thing. By instead of just walking out and being like, I choke, it's like, look, this is what I wrote. At least you guys paid to be here. At least hear it. I got him and me niggas in the crowd. I should make them whip your ass right now. Hey, yo, hood niggas. What's good, nigga? Wing nuts. Battle you in the woods around trees and ninjas. Battle rap 20 degrees colder in the winter. In the summer, I'm Sizzler. Roll you up like Rizzlers. Toss you a thousand bars, nigga. Tell you to bitch it. Then I battle you again just to see if you meant it. Look at the people on the rooftop. The people on the fences. You know what I mean? In the battle rap world, you just can't do that, right? So, do that. You know, it, it, it turned out bad for him. But, bro, watch who you beef with. 2000 BC. Like, these are some of my, like, you know, legendary. On some Diesel Hercules shit. I cold yeah. flip and start to punch trees till they leafless. Like, yeah. cannabis was on a dip. I can still spit the cannabis 100 bars rap off the top of my head. Anytime, if I, like, need to pass time, I spit 100 bars. Like, <laughs> that's crazy. <laughs> Nah, he cannabis, he, he don't get his flowers. Definitely, he a legend, man. You know, um, I wish him the best, too, you know? I really that do. That would be dope to finally get the cannabis and, and uh, Eminem battle together. Like, yeah. you know how now everybody, they got the versus shit and everybody's kind of doing the dream battles. Like, that would be the one I would love to see, man. Cannabis and M. You know? That'd be crazy. That'd be crazy. We talking to the right man to make it happen, man. So, you know, <laughs> sponsors get at me. <laughs> but yeah, man, um, thank you for joining us on the show, bro. This was this was so dope. It's it's not often I get to chop it up about the battle days and just see what's going on, man. I, I love what you're doing. Um, the NYC battle. I'm definitely pulling up, you Hell know, yeah. so. Yeah, man. Thank you again, bro. This was fire. Thank you, man. I appreciate it. And I'll, I'm def- I'm going to ask you, what would you recommend for a wine for me to try? Oh, man. Yo, honestly, I would tell you definitely try a port wine. Well, what type of what type of um liquor do you like? Well, OK, so you don't drink that much, right? Um, I don't. It just be like I, a casual dinner drink, you know? Got you. So in that case, I would definitely say go with some sparkling Riesling okay. if you can get it like Go with some Riesling, period. Like up there in Canada, you can find some really good Rieslings. The thing about Riesling is there's a variety of styles. You can get some that are very dry all the way to like the sweetest style. So, mm-hmm. you know, as <clears throat> an entry um, wine drinker, you know, it's definitely good to start with Riesling and try to all the different styles of Riesling. Mm-hmm. Awesome. But, cool, man. I just wrote it down. Too, man. Home, so I'm going to send my girlfriend on a hunt to get it. <laughs> <laughs> Say, well, look, man, when you get to NY, we got to do some drinking, man. So, hey, man. you know, hey. we're going to put it yeah. together. You know who one of my good friends is? Um, Oom P. Oh, so okay. from, from the oh, battle, yeah. battle, we went to high school together. Oh, that's um, fire, man. Yeah, man. We used to rap in the staircases and shit. So he, he's, I mean, you know him, bro. He, he's yeah. an animal. 
Yeah. Um, but yeah, yeah, man, when you when you get out here, bro, we'll all get together. Definitely, my man. I greatly appreciate your time. Thank you so much. Yo, thank you for coming on the show, man. And thank you for getting cannabis out, man. That that shit is yeah. amazing, bro. Oh, yeah, man. I appreciate that, man. Thank you. And salute the cannabis, man. And, and of course, disaster, bro, for the incredible performance, too. Yeah, definitely. All right, bro. Take care, man. Okay. Peace, bro. Peace. This was a moment in Wine and Hip Hop, brought to you by Crew Love.